everybody, and welcome to yet another edition of the Time Out with DG podcast. I am your host, Daniel Gotera, as always, coming to you uh, from my car. Another episode recorded in my vehicle. The acoustics sound great. I may turn this into a roving studio. Just kind of set up anywhere in the city, record the podcast uh, with a nice view, either of downtown or something else. Who knows? I might, I might do that. If you, if, you, <laughs> if you see a guy in a microphone just talking to himself in the car, that's probably me, and I'm recording this podcast. So thanks for tuning in. If you haven't been here uh, already, then welcome. Welcome to the crew uh, for Time Out with DG, getting some good feedback on this thing. If you uh, go ahead and like and subscribe to the podcast, I would really appreciate it. Leave a nice comment. That's always nice, too. Today's episode, a unique one. Uh, we're only going to be talking about one thing, and that's fishing. Now, you probably ask yourself, Daniel, what do you know about fishing? A kid who was born in Chicago and lived in Katy most of his life and then went to college up in Chicago. Well, you're right. I don't know much about fishing. Um, but the lady that I'm talking to today does. Her name is Meredith McCord, and she holds over 220 world records when it comes to this sport. Uh, just a joy to talk to, a uh, just a sensational fisher, fisherwoman. Fisherwoman? Fisherman? I, you know, I don't, I don't really know about that. Fisherman? I'm going to go with fisherman. She is sensational. I first met her several years ago, before Hurricane Harvey hit. I met her, and I did a feature with her. The, the cool thing about her story is that for 20 years, she owned a little place here in Houston called the Mad Potter. And if, you, if you've driven around, you may be seeing... Uh, Seen that store in uh, strip centers uh, around the city. They have one in uh, off of West Gray. They have one several places. Uh, they have one near Wa- uh, Wa- Westheimer and uh, what's the street? Uh, Westheimer and Voss. Um, so they're, they're, they have several places. But for 20 years, she ran that store. She was the owner. And so she, she dedicated her life to pottery, to making pottery for kids. And basically, if you go to the Mad Potter, it allows you to they have different uh, figurines, different bowls, different types of pottery that you can bring your kids to, and they can color it. They can do all sorts of stuff, and then they uh, they they put it in the oven, and they the the keeps the colors. It, it's a pretty cool little concept. I've taken my son several times. Uh, he loves it, and it's uh, it's it's really cool to go over there um, and, and enjoy what they have to go. So, so for twenty years, she owned this this company, and for twenty years, she was mixing both fishing, and running this company, or running the store. But deep down inside, her passion was always fishing, and she got that passion from being around her father. They would go fishing all the time. As she was growing up, she would love to go down to the water and catch fish next to her dad. And Well, that continued for a long time. That One, one year, her dad got sick, and uh, he, he, he passed away. So, he, so she wanted to continue his tradition, and his love for fishing uh, her own way. And now, after 20 years, she has sold the business, and she's completely dedicated her whole life to fishing. What she does, she travels the world. This is a lady just based right here out of Houston. She travels the world taking people from all over the country that find her on social media, taking them to these amazing places like the Seychelles, um, the Caribbean, South America, Africa, you name it, they've been all over the world fishing. 
She's got an incredible story. You can find her online. Meredith McCord is her name. I caught up with her again to get just a recap of what she's been doing and how she's been handling fishing and traveling during all these COVID times, which has really presented a tough a tough situation for her in some, some regards. But this is her. This is her story. Meredith McCord, she's excellent. I think you're going to enjoy this conversation because of her passion that she has for this sport. All right, so the last time we saw you, you were running a pottery shop and fishing at the same time. But now you are full-time. This is your life, your passion kind of come to fruition, no? It is true. Uh, you know, I ran the Mad Potter, started it in 1998. I did it for 20 years, six months, and three days, and I loved it. I loved um, developing the business, but it was time. It was time to hang up my uh, kiln gloves and move on to the water. Because fishing has always been your passion. I mean, this fishing. is this is well, you've done this for so long. You told the story of your dad, and everybody loved that story, by the way. <laughs> um, so, how hard was it? I don't know if it was hard, but to make that full-time commitment to switching to this when you've been doing something for so long—that's got that's a that's a pretty big jump that you have to make. You know, it, it was and it wasn't. I had kind of eased myself in over the last several years into taking clients across the globe to find great fish and great fisheries. And so I had already been doing it a little bit while running the Mad Potter simultaneously. So it, it was a natural, easy transition to ramp it up to full time. And I was developing more and more of a following and more women were expressing interest to get out there and try their hand at fly fishing and getting on the water as well. So it just made sense. My trip started filling up and I started booking even more trips and had no problem getting people signed up. So give me an idea of where you've been over the last couple of years. You've been all over the place. If anybody follows you on Instagram, <laughs> such great pictures. It's like living through you, right? So how many places have you been? Kind of give us a rundown of what you've been doing, some of the records and all that uh, from that point forward. Of course. The last time, Daniel, that you and I spoke, I, I think I had just accomplished my 100th world record um, with the IGFA, and that's the International Game Fish Association. And at today, as of today, um, I have over 220 world records to my name. So I've almost doubled those numbers. And yeah, I've traveled quite extensively in the meantime from Alaska down to Argentina, Bolivia, Brazil, and in the jungles there, uh, over across oceans to the Seychelles. Uh, it, it's, it's been some massive travel. So how do you find these places? Uh, is it just well-known spots among the fishing community? I mean, you have, to, you have to pick and choose the right places that you have to go to. So how do you end up on these destinations? You know, we end up finding these destinations because we are looking for the newest frontier. It's not well known, and that's what I really like. I like exploratory missions, finding that next fishery, that next fish that no one else has actually pursued yet. And so I work with different lodge organizations and operators that are out there doing the exploratory work, and then I'm following their lead. And when they say, hey, this is great, come, that's when I go. What's the best spot that you fished in? The last couple of years. I know that's a tough question because there were so many cool things that you've done. But what, what what's the, been the most unique, most fun, most challenging? Maybe that kind of all rolled into one. Or <laughs> yeah. are there several that fit in those different categories? Oh man, that is a tough question. I would say the most diverse fishery, uh, which is at the top of my list, is probably the Seychelles Islands in the Indian Ocean. It offers 
sight casting like a fisherman's dream from small bonefish to tricky trigger fish up to gigantic GTs which are giant trevallis that will give you a true run for your money on a fly. Um, I would say that has been one of my favorites. Brazil for the arapaima which is almost like a dinosaur looking fish uh, deep in the jungles that get up to about 300 pounds. I mean that will take your breath away. Even to my backyard here in Texas where I just landed my first bass um, over 10 pounds. I mean I love it all, if you can't tell. I mean, there's some of the exotic of Brazil and Bolivia, yeah. but then there's the diversity of faraway places, but there's home, too. Yeah, I mean, I was going to ask you, you love it, you, the way you talk about it. I mean, this is, I mean, it, it never gets old. You, you pinch yourself sometimes <laughs> at the fact that you're in these locations that people only dream of being, not even just a fish, but just kind of visiting, but you're doing what you love in these locations. I mean, that's got to be so cool, so rewarding. I do. I pinch myself every day. and. You know, it's not all dreamy. There's a lot of logistics that go <laughs> oh, <I> behind <laughs> getting these people to these exotic places. But at the end of the day, once you're there standing on a bow or with your feet in the water on a river, it all fades to the background. The difficulty of getting to some of these places because Daniel, no great fishery is right at the end of a highway. What is what goes into finding putting a trip together like, you know, you're going to Cameroon now. Right. So, I mean, it's it, you're, you're flying from one place to the next. I mean, this is this is pretty extensive. It's not just pretty pictures that you see online. I mean, you, there's a lot of work that goes behind this for you. That is true. And luckily, I partner with a lot of great lodge owners that really iron out a lot of those logistics for me and for my clients. And so my responsibility is really just making sure have my clients been tested for COVID before they board the plane? Have they gotten their passport renewed? Do they have the correct visas? Mm -hmm. And then do, are they on the right flights on the right days? That's really where my hardest work comes into play is those kind of travel logistics. But once we're there, these lodges take great care of us, keep us safe. And um, yeah, it's not always easy, but so worth it. How has COVID changed the way you go about business? How has it made it more challenging? How has it made it a little bit more unique? Like all of that stuff rolled into one. Absolutely, COVID's definitely taken its toll on the travel industry. And really that's what I am, hospitality and travel. Um, so it's affected in numerous ways. Number one, for the first couple of months, it shut everything down, as you know. I mean, we, we were locked at home um, mm -hmm. trying to prevent the spread of this disease. But as things slowly started opening, people were restless to get out and they wanted to be outside, not trapped inside, not trapped inside with germs. And so fishing provided that perfect outlet for them. So while many industries have really been hurt, I've actually not been so bad. Um, since July, I've taken over 60 people fishing to three countries and five different states. Yeah, I mean, that's, it's great. But there's a protocol, right? You have to follow. Everybody's got to got to make sure they're they're clear. So what are those protocols that you, Daniel, that you have to keep track? that's a great question. There's a lot of protocols in place and that changes as we know mm -hmm. every day with whatever the policies and laws are that are coming out and suggestions by the CDC. So, um, you know, I even before the protocol was put into place that you need to test in order to go to certain countries. For example, I took 11 ladies down to Mexico in October and Mexico didn't require us to come in with a negative 
COVID tests, but I did that for my group anyway. I wanted everyone to go in, feel safe with the people that they were traveling with because a lot of these women didn't know each other. They're finding me on social media and signing up for my trip alone, which is amazing to me. That is amazing. Actually, <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty wild because we'll get into, I guess, how you find these people after a little bit. But you said, you know, changes just recently, a couple days, the administration changes. So there's something new. I mean, that's what you have to kind of roll with, right? That That is. And so I'm always having to stay tuned to what what's coming out and what's rolling out. For example, this last Monday, uh, administration is saying now from now on, or as of yesterday, sorry, as of yesterday, we who are traveling abroad to get onto a U.S. bound um, on a U.S. bound plane have to have a neg negative COVID test. So now going to Cameroon this week, I've got a test in Cameroon in order to get back to the States. So that's definitely changing our plans. But going back to that group in Mexico, um, it just is, it's nice having to have everyone pre-tested before we even travel together. And therefore, when we get to our destinations, we can relax. We know that we've only been exposed to each other and that we all come clean. And each of the, the lodges that I go to visit are testing on a weekly basis too. So we know that they are clean as well. And it just makes for a really relaxing week of fishing, knowing that everyone is healthy. What are the reactions that some of these women give you? I mean, are some of them ex experienced or they just kind of want to go for the ride just to kind of the thrill of it all? Or what, what are the reactions that they get, these people that you take on these amazing trips? Um, for example, I just took 11 ladies down to Bahamas in the beginning of January, and it's the whole gamut. I have beginners who have never fished fly fish before. I have ones that have never been on in the salt water before. And then I have some that are very experienced. And so all I get is this amazing energy, this passion to meeting other women that enjoy the sport, to being in the great outdoors, and to trying to catch fish on the fly. So it's it's contagious almost, and that's why I love what I do. I feel like you have to have a lot of patience though, right? Do you have to <laughs> sometimes, that's not against them, yeah, right? They've never yeah. done it, but there's gotta be a little patience with you. You do have to have patience, and you've gotta have patience um, with yourself. It's a great, it's a great sport in that you've just gotta hone in You've got to, you know, it's not you against the world, it's you against yourself. It's you against that fish. And so it's such an individualized uh, sport. And that's why it's so nice to go on these group trips all together, because we come home at the end of the day, grab a cocktail and appetizer, and we talk about, oh man, I was totally awful today. <laughs> I hooked myself in the back of the head with a fly, or I missed this great fish I should have caught, or the success stories of, hey, I caught my first fish on fly, I got my first bone fish, and we all celebrate and cheers together. So how do you find these folks? Let's get into that. I mean, they'd reach out to you on social media, you make posts, and just from there, you just kind of weed them out? Like, how does that process go? <laughs> That's a great question. I, you know, I, I get them in a number of different ways. One, word of mouth. Um, once a client's been on one of my trips, they're usually a repeat customer. I have one local Houstonian who had never fly fished before. She signed up for one of my trips thanks to one of her friends that kind of pulled her into it to Louisiana a year and a half ago. Since then she's been to, let's see, five countries with me and on seven trips. Amazing. So, yeah, she's addicted and uh, it's, it was really cute too because her dad, uh, um, her dad, her husband kind of got choked up and he's like, I've been trying to teach her for years how to fly fish so we could do it together. And it just didn't 
go well. Husband mm -hmm. teaching wife how to do something. It just, he's like, I couldn't do it. She just needed another voice. She needed another voice that happened to be me. And um, now her husband, even her son have come on several of my trips as well. So it's just, so that's number one is word of mouth. And once they sign up, it's usually they come back again. The other, funny enough, is social media. It is it's amazing it's better than any kind of advertising any print advertising i think i could do i just spread the word tell them about a trip that i'm taking and pictures say it all for me i don't really have to sell it the pictures the fish themselves the venue the, your locations yeah locations, the whole thing sell it for me so what's the next frontier for you now i mean just keep building this building this brand, building what you're doing, you want to make more videos on social media. I know like that that's kind of where things are headed, right? For for this industry, especially during COVID times, because people are just tuning in on their phones, tablets, computers. They just want to see something different, right? I think you're exactly right. I think the next the next avenue for me is going to be a YouTube channel and do my own show. I, I think I have the destinations lined up. I've got the fish fish hope hopefully ready to bite and to get on my line to make their debut on um, these films and I, I think that that's where it needs to go. People are tuning in to their devices more than ever as we've seen and um, I'd like to bring it to them, to their homes, to their offices, wherever they are, this, this glorious world of fishing out there that exists and is available to anyone and everyone. Where are you going to this year? Cameroon? You said you mentioned Cameroon, and yep. what, what's next? What, right. what are the ones that are planned? So I've got Cameroon, Hawaii, Dominican Republic, Sudan, Seychelles, Florida, Canada, Brazil, Russia, sorry, not Brazil, Bolivia, um, Russia, Mexico, and Louisiana. And that takes you through October. Is that it? <laughs> That's it. Is that it? How are your frequent flyer miles, by the way? They're out of control, it must They're be. They're really good. So <laughs> if there's any airline that wants to sponsor me out there, I could really appreciate that. I would say when I first started this, you know, this venture of going out and fishing and fly fishing, I was with my dad, as you all know from my our past story. Um, and it was very rare to see a woman on the flats or on the river with a fly rod in her hand. Today, it's, it's not so rare. So I'm not getting kind of the pushback or I, I never would say it's pushback, more of a drop, drop jaw, a <laughs> drop jaw reaction of what are you doing here? Um, nowadays, I think that they have fished with enough women that actually they prefer women. Why? <laughs> because we listen and we don't <laughs> try to over muscle our cast or over muscle anything. We listen to instruction and we're patient for the most part, not all of us. I get very impatient sometimes, but uh, for the most part, we're, we're patient and we listen. Thank you so much, Meredith. Her next stop, as she mentioned, is Cameroon. Then she's going to Sudan later this year. She's going to Russia. I mean, the people that sign up to go with her have a blast. I don't know if I don't know if I could do that all the time. I mean, because you know, just for example, like her trip to Cameroon, she's going to bounce from one city to the next, I mean, like three or four plane rides and then another drive, I mean, to get to these these remote fisheries, and that's really her goal, is to find the best spots in the world, as she mentioned. So best of luck to her. She's great. She's a friend of mine, and uh, I wish her nothing but the best. I think she's primed, by the way, to get her own show someday. So you may see her pop up on Discovery Channel. You may see her do uh, all sorts of cool things from this point forward. I think she's got a great story. And I think she's um, she's ready for the big time. She just needs to get that big break because um, she's getting a lot of traction on social media. 
And uh, I think that's awesome. So good luck, Meredith. Thanks so much for joining us. And thank you guys for listening at home for the Time Out with DG podcast. I will be back tomorrow. And then on Friday, we'll have the Friday mailbag as we did last week, which was so popular and so successful. So we got things going on here. It's been fun. I'm glad you guys like it. Until next time, see you later. Thank you.